Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to have you with us today. I want to welcome all of you, especially if you happen to be visiting this morning. And I also want to thank our Girl Scouts for serving here. Uh, You guys have done a great job. I felt very greeted when I got my bulletin out there. And I'm excited, just like every week, to dig into God's Word and see what He has to say to us today. We're going to look at the next chapter of God's kingdom story. And I want to begin this morning by asking a crucial question. It's probably the most important question you will ever answer. And here it is. Who is Jesus? How, how do you answer that question? How, how would you define who he is? If someone came up to you this week and asked you that question, do you know what you would say? Of course, if you travel around the country and ask a bunch of different people that question, you'd get a bunch of different answers, wouldn't you? Because there are many different versions of Jesus in our world today. Uh, Not long ago, I I heard a, a preacher talk about some of these different versions. And he said, some people prefer a precious moments Jesus. He's the one who shows up on special occasions, certain holidays, uh, he drops by at Christmas uh, like, a, like a baby, like the one you see in this cute little figurine here. Uh, he's, he's a now and then kind of Jesus. Uh, he, he won't interfere in your daily life. He's just there for those precious moments. Some people prefer a genie Jesus. This is the one you ask him to appear and you pray a prayer or you make a wish and you just hope that he'll give you something good from heaven's vending machine. Then there's tweetable Jesus. Now, this, this version, he, he is always on your side in an argument. When people are upset about some political or social issue, there's always a quote from tweetable Jesus to support your position. And you kind of learn to weaponize his words. Then there's fairy tale Jesus. And he's just a, a religious myth, really. He tells a great story, um, but unfortunately, he's not real. Then there's fire insurance, Jesus. And his main job is to keep you out of hell. He'll help you take out a policy, but then once you have it, you can just relax. You can live pretty much however you want because you know you will escape those flames and you'll walk through the pearly gates. Finally, there's Buddy Jesus. And man, he's a great friend. You love spending time with him. But you don't really think of him as this God that you have to answer to. So like I said, there are many different ideas about Jesus in our world today. And a lot of times, people just, they imagine Jesus the way they want him to be instead of approaching him as he truly is. So let's, let's ask the question this way. Who is Jesus really? Not in our minds, not in uh, our Uh, opinions but who is he really well if we want to answer that question we need to look at God's word and that's what we're going to do this morning and we're going to start with a a short verse that has a lot of meaning it's Luke chapter 2 verse 11 this verse says today in the town of David a savior has been born to you he is the Messiah the Lord now for Many of us, these words will sound very familiar, and and let's go back and sort this out. When were these words originally spoken? Some of you know, right? 
This statement was made at the first Christmas over 2,000 years ago. So then we, we know when, but where were these words spoken? Right outside of Bethlehem. And who said these words? It was the angel, the messenger of God. And who first heard these words? The shepherds. Yeah, they were the ones to, to get that announcement that the Messiah had entered the world. And today, we're going to look at one particular word. Like I said, that verse has a lot of meaning. Uh, we could focus on the town of David or Savior or Lord, but we're going to focus on the word Messiah. That is a very important word. If you go back to the Hebrew language, the word Messiah is translated as Meshiach. In Greek, you would say Christos. In English, we say Christ. And that means when we say Jesus Christ, we're not giving his first and last name. We're just saying that Jesus is the Messiah. So the word Messiah, it's, it's actually a title. And it's a, it's a title that is packed with meaning. So what does it mean? Well, if you look at the Bible, uh, you see the word Messiah, it means anointed one or chosen one or king. And that's a pretty good definition, but it's not really complete, right? Because what kind of king is he? And what was he chosen to do? We've got some major blanks to fill in here. And if you go back to the time of Jesus, the Jewish people really tried to fill in those blanks. They wanted to know who this Messiah would be. So how did they do that? How did they try to, to get the specifics? Well, they read the words of the prophets. And we talked about this last week, right? The, the prophets were God's messengers. They spoke for him. And the prophets had a lot to say about the Messiah. Here's an example. Uh, the prophet Micah. Uh, he, he said something about the Messiah. This was a message from God. Micah said in chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So that's a, that's a very cool verse. But now imagine that you are a Jew in the, the years or the centuries leading up to the birth of Christ. What would you learn from this prophecy? Well, uh, let's think about it. First, where will the Messiah come from? Micah says you'll come from Bethlehem, the little town of Bethlehem. But he also says he'll come from ancient times. His origins are from old, and that's a little mysterious, a little confusing. Hard to figure that out, so let's, let's move on. What will he do? Who will he be? It says he'll be a king, one who will rule over Israel. So what kind of king will he be? Well, you can read more in Micah and you can read some of those other prophets. And, and this is where it gets tricky because when the prophets talk about what kind of king the Messiah will be, they get intense. The prophet Isaiah said this. He said this Messiah, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Like I said, pretty intense. So what does that mean? Well, when the Jews read prophecies like this, as well as many others, many of them came to the conclusion that the Messiah would be a great warrior. 
He would lead the Jews to to victory in battle. He would defeat their enemies. And in the time of Jesus, that would mean a revolution against the Romans. So about when Jesus was born, the Jews were expecting a Messiah who would overthrow Rome and bring political freedom to God's chosen people. Unfortunately, they were looking for the wrong kind of Messiah. And even the disciples of Jesus had trouble sorting this out. In Luke 24, there is a fascinating conversation between Jesus and a couple of guys who were just really confused. Uh, Now, this conversation happened after the resurrection. And even after the resurrection, these disciples weren't quite sure who the Messiah was. Was it Jesus or was it somebody else? So Jesus uh, comes to them on the road, and uh, they walk along the road, and they talk for a while. And in Luke 24, 25, he said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, I don't think we should pick on these disciples because I don't believe we would have understood any better than them. But today, we have several advantages over these guys. We have the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. And from our vantage point, the Old Testament prophecies make a lot more sense. We have a much fuller picture. So what do we see in that fuller picture? Well, I'll give you just a a quick summary. According to the prophecies, the Messiah would be a prophet and a priest and a king. And not just any king, he would be the king of all kings. His reign would last forever. But in addition to, be, to being a great ruler, he would also be a suffering servant. And he would sacrifice his life on our behalf. And then he would also be a righteous judge. He would bring justice down on evildoers. And then he would be a, a great shepherd. He would care for his people, guide his people, protect them. And in one sense, he would be a human being like the rest of us. But in another sense... He is the mighty God. So at the end of the day, you can't put this Messiah into a simple box. Whatever you think of him, whoever you think he is, he's more than that. So don't underestimate his greatness. Uh, I said last week that uh, there are 300 Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah and Bible scholars say that's a conservative count but one thing is very clear Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled all of these prophecies I mean he was born in Bethlehem he was a descendant of Abraham and a descendant of David Um, he was betrayed by one of his closest friends the prophets called all those things ahead of time and many many other things The bottom line is, Jesus is the Messiah. And at this point, we've reached a major, major transition in God's kingdom story. As many of you know, we're taking several months to go through the big story of the Bible from creation to Christ. And after nine weeks, we're at the point where Jesus shows up. And this is where everything changes. 
We spent five weeks going through the old covenant. But now we're, we're in this transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. Old, uh, old Testament to the New Testament. And uh, this, this is a major transition. Uh, we've been talking about covenants a lot here recently. And do you remember what that word means? A covenant is a formal promise, a formal agreement between two parties. And across the entire Bible, we see that God made multiple covenants with different individuals and groups of people. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made one with King David and several others. And just in the past few weeks, we've focused on God's covenant with Moses and the people of Israel. You may remember back on Mount Sinai, God said this to Israel. He said, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. So in this old covenant, God said to his people Israel, you have to obey me. You have to keep this covenant, keep my commands. But then as we've seen, Israel did not keep that covenant. In fact, breaking the Ten Commandments turned out to be one of their favorite pastimes. So God set up a temporary system. And this temporary system involved animal sacrifice. So God allowed an animal to be a substitute. Literally dying in your place to cover the penalty for your sins. But like I said, this was only a temporary measure. And why was that? Because you can't buy forgiveness with the blood of animals. So the prophet Jeremiah addressed this issue, this problem. And he had a special message from God. Something good was coming. Something new was on the horizon. Jeremiah 31.31 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And in just a, a few verses here, we see that this covenant will be far superior to the old one. In verse 34, God says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So this new covenant is a huge upgrade because with the old system, you had to sacrifice animals every single day. But with the new system, just one sacrifice covers all sin for every person, for all time. And in Hebrews chapter 9, we see that this new covenant is made possible only by Jesus, the Messiah, Christ. Hebrews 9.14 says Christ, remember that means Messiah, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance that God has promised them. So Jesus is the perfect sacrifice who takes away our sins. He's the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the one who took us from the old covenant to the new covenant. And we'll talk about that more in the next couple weeks. But for now, here's the bottom line. The Old Covenant is based on God's law, and the New Covenant is based on God's grace through Jesus. And this is the gospel. It's the good news about Jesus. And this good news has profound implications for you and for me. Because if you come to Jesus and accept him for who he truly is, he will change you forever. Now that takes us back to our big question. 
Who do you say that Jesus is? You know, around the world, a lot of people think very highly of Jesus, even if they're not Christians. Uh, They might see him as a, a good teacher. They might say that he was a great prophet. They might say that he was a great example for all of us. He shows us how human beings should live. However, um, some of those people start to have issues when you talk about the real Jesus that we see in God's word. They, they may not want to hear that Jesus was truly God in the flesh. They might not want to hear that Jesus is not only one path of many paths to get to God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But what about you? What do you say? How do you answer this question? Who is Jesus? Uh, There was a a day when Jesus came to his disciples and he asked them this question. Matthew 16, 15. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? And that's when Peter spoke up. Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That was a great answer. Jesus said, "Uh, Peter, you're absolutely right. But you didn't figure that out on your own. God revealed that to you. And as we keep reading, we see that Peter still had a lot to learn. And of course, we still have a lot to learn too. But we do know that through Scripture, God has told us what we need to know about the Messiah. And here's what we know from God's Word. When you encounter the true Jesus, the true Messiah, and you put your faith in him and you let him work in your life, you will never be the same. And I know many of you listening right now, you've experienced this. You you have a story to tell about the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Because of him, you are forgiven. Because of him, you are free. And now it's only natural that you would want others to experience that same freedom that you've found. And that brings me to something that I've been waiting to tell you about. Plum Creek, as a church, we're going to take on a challenge here. It's a challenge for every member of our church family. Everyone who considers yourself a part of Plum Creek. Now, if you're just visiting or if you're still exploring this whole faith thing, don't feel like you need to do this, but you're certainly welcome to listen in. So what is the challenge? Well, I'm glad you asked. Over the next two weeks, Plum Creek is taking on a testimony challenge. So what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's really very simple. Uh, All you do is you sit down and you write your story. The story of what God has done in your life through Jesus. If you encountered Jesus and you gave your life to him, you just talk about how he changed you. It's your personal testimony. Now, why would we take on this challenge? I'll give you two reasons. Number one, you know people who need to hear your story. God wants to partner with us to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And your story can be a big part of that. But here's reason number two. When God gives you an opportunity to share your story, you want to be ready. And if you get your thoughts together and you, prayer, and you prepare ahead of time, you will be ready. Now, this is a great time of year to tackle this challenge because coming up in just three weeks... We've got Easter, and this is one of those times when people are a lot more open to coming to church. And when someone you know 
comes to church and they hear the good news about Jesus, that's an opportunity to share your story and point that person to Jesus. So over the next few weeks, we're going to do three things. First, we're going to pray for specific people we know. Second, we're going to invite them to join us on Easter Sunday. And third, we're going to be ready to tell the story of what Jesus has done in our lives. And it's so important to be ready because these opportunities, they happen all the time when we're praying for them. And we, we will see them if we keep our eyes open. Just yesterday, I was in a men's Bible study group and a friend of mine described a, a cool experience that he had at work. So he said one of his co-workers had been going through a really difficult time, something tough. But as it turns out, my friend had gone through something very similar. So he explained that to his co-worker. But his, his co-worker said, well, how did you get through it? How did you get through it? You see, you see what that question is? That's an open door. That's a chance to tell your story. And in the case of my friend, he was ready. He explained to his coworker that he and his wife had been through something similar. And when they had that struggle, they, they brought it to Jesus. And they found a peace that they did not have before. It's kind of amazing when you get to do that. But are you ready? Would you be ready to tell your story this week if someone asks you a question like that? Some of you may feel like you are ready, but I've learned from experience that it really is helpful to sit down and write it out, kind of gather your thoughts and, and think about how you would tell that story. So practically, what does this challenge look like? Well, we've set up a page on our website uh, and it guides you through the process. And to get to that page, you can scan the QR code on the screen here. It's also in your bulletin. Uh, you can also go to plumcreek.org slash testimony. And even if you want to do that right now, you got my permission to use your phone at church. Uh, but on that page, you'll find some guidelines and tips for how to write your story. And don't worry, you're not writing a book here. It's just a couple paragraphs. We also have a couple examples to get your wheels turning. But then finally, you get to the, the part of this page where you write it out. You write your story, and the basic outline is very simple. In part one, you say, here was my life before my turning point. This is what things were like. In part two, you say, this was my turning point. This is when Jesus changed me. And then in part three, you say, here's what life has been like since that turning point. It's really not, not complicated. And then once you write that story, you just click a button and submit it. Now, why... Why would we ask you to submit your story? Well, a couple reasons. First, we'd love to see who accepts this challenge. But here's another, here's another reason. There may be an opportunity for God to use your story here at church. Uh, we would never share anything without your permission. But man, there are times when your specific story could be used by God to help a specific person over here who needs to hear it. And we can help make those connections. Now, I mentioned we have a, a couple of testimony examples on our website, and we'll add more as they come in. But I want to go ahead and read you one of them right now. Uh, this will give you an idea of what we're talking about here. This testimony is from Heather Sloan. Uh, 
Heather and her husband Stefan joined Plum Creek last year, and they have a great story to tell. So uh, let's, let's listen to this. Heather says, Before I met Jesus, I made poor choice after poor choice. Raising kids on my own, I went through a lot of hard times, and I would always ask, why me? And many days, I would not eat, so my kids could. I never felt blessed or loved by God. I took everything for granted, and I treated everyone around me poorly. My turning point happened when I met a lady and her daughter at a park one day. My three kids and I had just moved out on our own after another failed relationship. We talked for a couple hours, and she invited me to her church. And I remember telling her, eh, maybe when we get unpacked. Then my two daughters said, but we want to go to church, Mom. So I agreed to go. When we arrived, we found out we were given the wrong time. We were two hours early. We walked around the empty church, and I began to lose hope. But this guy walked up, and he asked me my name. And when I told him, he said, oh, yeah, my wife told me you may be here. And he told me she taught Sunday school for preschoolers and we could hang out in her classroom. So we watched Veggie Tales and the kids colored in coloring books. And when everyone started showing up, I got to meet his wife and she was so sweet. And seeing how welcoming they both were was so comforting to me. And during the service, I cried and I knew this would be the beginning of something big. Later that year, I got baptized at that church Jesus has truly changed my life. Psalm 40 verse 2 says, He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. I first heard that verse from the woman I met at the church that day. She was singing that verse to her son. And I believe with all my being that Jesus did lift me out of the mud and mire. And he will always be with me. Now I look for the positives in life. I try to get into the word as much as I can. I try to be a positive role model for my kids. I now know that I am loved by God. And I am so blessed beyond measure. As Toby Mack would say, I don't want to be no backseat driver. And we should all let Jesus take the wheel in our life. I love that story for many reasons. First, Heather is living proof that Jesus is real and he still changes lives today. On another level, though, I love the faithfulness of this woman at the park. She was just friendly and a simple conversation led to a simple invitation to church. And from that point, everything changed for Heather. Sometimes we get intimidated about sharing God's love reaching out to other people with the good news about Jesus. But the example of this woman is inspiring because she shows us it, it doesn't have to be difficult or complicated. Okay, before we wrap this up, I want to acknowledge something. Because I happen to know that many of us have a story that is very different than Heather's. For example, I'm like that. Uh, I was eight years old when I gave my life to Jesus and I was baptized. So thinking about my life before Jesus, I mean, I was seven. I guess I picked on my brother a little bit. 
And then from that time on, I've definitely had spiritual struggles, but I never really went off the rails. I never abandoned my faith. So what would it look like for me to tell my story? It seems kind of boring. Well, I want you to listen to one last testimony here. And this one is from a guy you may know. His name is Jimmy Ranshaw. So check this out. Here's Jimmy's story. He says, I was born and raised in the church. My baby dedication picture was on the wall in the children's department for years. And you could always find me because I was the biggest one in the picture. My parents faithfully brought me to church and I loved learning about Jesus. When I was eight, I told my parents I wanted to be baptized. And after meeting with my youth minister and attending a baptism class, I was baptized in March of 1991. When I started middle school, things began to change. Middle school's tough. <laughs> I was no longer listening to what God said about me. And I began to listen to the voices of people around me, which wasn't good for me mentally. I never really got into much trouble, but enough to get me hanging out with the wrong people. And I started to walk away from God, and things got harder. When I was a freshman in high school, I was on the varsity wrestling team and was currently ranked in the state. And although that may have sounded great, I was starting to go into depression due to the amount of weight I was trying to cut and being bullied by seniors on the team and dealing with a verbally abusive coach who only cared about winning a state title. And after a three-hour intense wrestling practice, I came home and my dad noticed I was not myself and he told me, Jimmy, why don't you skip running to lose weight tonight and eat some food? And go down and read the Bible. Start with the book of Proverbs. Remember, Jimmy, God loves you. And he's always there for you. Being a good son, I did what my dad told me to do. I read out of Proverbs and I prayed for the first time in a long time. I asked God to send me friends because I didn't have any. And that next Sunday at church, there were these three girls who I'd never noticed before at church. And they asked me if I was new. I informed them that I was not new and had come to church every week since I could remember. Then they asked me to come over and sit with them. And shortly after that, I became friends with someone who used to be an enemy. God answered my prayers and he gave me friends. And from that day on, I wanted to know this God who would listen and answer my prayers. And that has led me to a lifelong, growing relationship with him. And then Jimmy says, Several years ago, I was talking to another parent in the church, and I told him, I wished I had a cooler or more interesting testimony. I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Jimmy, your testimony is great because it shows your faithfulness, even when you felt like you were not close to God. You never truly turned away from him. And after hearing that, I realized my story could help others who may have a similar story. Like I said, we all have a story to tell. And the truth is, your story is still being written. None of us can say we've arrived, right? All of us still have so much to learn about the real Jesus, the true Messiah. And the more we understand him, the more we give him his rightful place in our lives, the more the Holy Spirit will transform us and continue to write our story. So I want to ask, are you in? Will you do this?
Are you ready to accept this challenge? It's not that hard, but I'm telling you, it's helpful and it can be something that God uses in a big way. So I encourage you, if you accept the challenge, go ahead and start on this today. If you can't do that, you got two weeks. Two weeks to turn it in on that website. And let me just say in advance, I really appreciate you doing this. Because God's kingdom story, it's not just a story. It's not fiction. It's true. And it's still going on today. He invites us to be a part of it. So as a church, we want to know this story. We want to live it out. And we want to share it with as many people as possible. So let's pray that God will help us do that. Father, thank you. Thank you for this great story which makes it possible for us to to be with you here and now but also for eternity to be where we want to be just worshiping you forever and lord i i know that many people have not found the hope and freedom that can only come through jesus Lord, many of us have a story that could help. So God, I, I, I pray that you would uh, guide us by your spirit, uh, help us to, to think about how to share what you have done for us, in us. Lord, I pray that uh, you'd help us do a good job of representing you well, sharing your love so that others can find that hope and that freedom. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.